0: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Welcome to Wednesday, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 1, 59 that's the home for sports grid radio on sirius xm all across the sports grid network as well i am ben stevens thank you for joining us here on this wednesday a ton to get to over the course of these next two hours we bring you up until 11 a.m eastern time live right here on the spiz Grizz network we will go around the National Football League at the midway point of this 2022 NFL regular season. We'll set the stage for Sunday, the early look ahead to week number 10, the beginning of that second half, but also use this opportunity at the halfway point to reassess how we evaluate teams around the National Football League. College basketball rolls on into night number two, a refreshed college football playoff rankings as well, which I don't really have a problem with. Surprisingly, we'll go around the NBA, some hockey, what else Wednesday with dubs, everything on this Wednesday, live right here on the morning after. But let's start with the biggest news in the National Football League for this week. Of course, on Monday afternoon, Indianapolis fired Frank Reich. Then they made that situation even more confounding by naming Jeff Saturday their six-time Pro Bowl center, who played in the organization for 13 years but has no coaching experience at the collegiate or NFL level their interim head coach. You are ready for the weirdest game ever in the NFL come Sunday because as we get going, nobody on the Colts staff, as of this moment, as we get ready for Sunday in Las Vegas against the Raiders, has any experience at the NFL level calling offensive plays. So that was Jeff Saturday's number one task. Who's gonna call the plays, Jeff? Well, it seems that will be Parks Frazier. On Sunday, the 30-year-old assistant coach as a part of the Indianapolis Colts has been announced as the play caller for Sunday afternoon in Las Vegas. He joined the Indianapolis Colts in 2018 as Frank Reich's assistant. So he has been in the organization in Indy in some capacity for the past five seasons along with Frank Reich. He was named this year, entering 2022 for the first time, the promotion of the past game's specialist and assistant Quarterbacks coach. He is only 30 years old. I hope you appreciate the headline of that graphic there from NFL Network's Tom Pelissero. Parks and Rec, Parks Fraser, Parks and Rec, a wonderful sitcom taking place in Pawnee, Indiana. Everybody's favorite team there, the Indianapolis Colts. There are layers to what we do here on the morning after. So Parks Fraser, on one side, will get to call the plays for Indianapolis. He will not have to scout defensively for the Las Vegas Raiders. Jonathan Abram. The safety for that Raiders defense cut yesterday by Las Vegas. Now, the Raiders had six first-round draft picks from 2019 to 2021. Four of them now, after Jonathan Abram was let go yesterday, have been cut. The other two are still on the team in Cullen Farrell and Josh Jacobs, but neither of them had their fifth-year rookie player option picked up and as we all wonder what the heck is happening with Jeff Saturday. How do you give a guy with literally zero experience, the head coaching job, even with an interim tag to your organization? Mike Mayock, if you remember, who was the general manager for the Raiders in the last regime, was also a football TV analyst. And look at all the draft picks that he was responsible for that aren't on the team anymore or if they are they might not be in the near future. This is why you need experience, this is why you have to earn what you are given. It is going to be a wild Sunday in Las Vegas. Hey, welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The opening hour of TMA Live on this Wednesday. Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our terrestrial radio affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. Sunday's matchup between the Colts and the Raiders is going to be the weirdest football game we might have seen in the past decade. Of course, it's Jeff Saturday making his NFL head coaching debut as the interim head man for Indianapolis, Parks Frazier, a 30 year old assistant coach, is now going to be calling the plays, although nobody on that staff has ever called offensive plays in the NFL. And the Raiders surprised everybody yesterday by cutting Jonathan Abram. So, as we look at this game for Sunday in Las Vegas, some slight movement actually in Indianapolis's favor. It was six and a half in favor of the Raiders yesterday. Take off that hook, it is just six. We know that Parks-Fraser is going to call the plays, but what will it look like for the worst scoring offense in of the National Football League in Indianapolis, only averaging 14.7 points per game? That total seems interesting at 42 and a half. And let's not forget where these teams were just a few months ago or for Las Vegas last season. The Raiders were a double-digit win football team that made it to the AFC postseason. And they improved, at least talent-wise, on the roster. We all believed in the offseason in adding Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones on the other side of the football. So although the AFC West was seen to be a gauntlet, that it is certainly not played out in that fashion this year, there was still optimism for Las Vegas. Not so much anymore. In Indianapolis was the odds-on heavy minus-money favorite to win the division in the AFC South, a minus-170 price. But now the Colts... Plus 560 to get into the AFC playoffs. And the Raiders an even longer number at plus 810. Sunday in Las Vegas is going to be one of the weirdest NFL football games with a strange environment you might ever see. Las Vegas as it stands right now. A six-point favorite against Indianapolis with an over-under at 42 and a half i'm just going to watch this football game and enjoy it for the theater because i'm not sure how you find an edge in any of those numbers maybe even on the prop board. we'll continue setting the stage for week number 10 the second half of this nfl season up next here on the morning After.
0: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Welcome back to the Morning App, live right here on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. I'm Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us on this Wednesday. We are officially at the halfway point of this 2022 NFL regular season nine weeks in the books in 18 week campaign. So we have the second half on the horizon. It starts tomorrow with a Thursday night football game between the Panthers. And the first place Atlanta Falcons will try to build some excitement for that game in a TNF preview on tomorrow's show. But let's look ahead to the biggest games that we have for this Sunday slate. They are billing the Green Bay Packers and the Dallas Cowboys as a storied rivalry. Two of the most illustrious franchises in the history of the Shield of the National Football League. I don't know. I don't really feel that way about this individual game on Sunday in the frozen tundra in Green Bay, Wisconsin at Lambeau Field. And certainly this year in 2022, one of those two teams, it's the green logo there with the G that you see, is not performing up to the relative expectation of one of those most prestigious franchises in all of the sports history. And look at that spread. What does it say to you? The Dallas Cowboys, fresh off a bye, a five point favorite on the road in Green Bay against Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers. Of course, earlier this year, just two weeks ago on a Sunday night, for the first time in Aaron Rodgers' nearly two decades long NFL career, he was booked as a double digit underdog. Now he's getting five points at home inside Lambeau against the Dallas Cowboys. To me, That spread says more about where Green Bay is at this halfway point than it does about the Dallas Cowboys. But if you're a Cowboys backer, you must feel very strongly about Dallas at this moment, at least in the regular season. Because they are fresh, they are healthy. Dak Prescott continues to get healthier and healthier after missing the first month of this season with that right thumb injury on his throwing hand. Ezekiel Elliott using the bye week to rest up and get healthier and Tony Pollard has been a revelation this year as we really anticipated him to be And the defense is a top five unit in pretty much every major category across the National Football League this year. So let's evaluate the Dallas Cowboys at this halfway point. They're not going to catch at least we don't believe they will the Philadelphia Eagles the unbeaten birds. In the NFC East, so we don't have their divisional odds up here at the moment, but you can see that updated win total now for the Cowboys entering this second half of the season. It's 11 and a half, and the over has the heavy juice at minus 150. They are a minus 3,000 favorite to make the postseason, but that conference price is where I want to draw your attention at this moment. Plus 550 to win the NFC Championship. That, of course is a postseason number the plus 550 price by the way for Dallas is the third best number in all of that conference and when you look at the Dallas Cowboys who are tied for the best cover percentage this year in the National Football League over the span of the last two seasons in the NFL the best cover team in all of the sport it's not a conversation about the talent or the regular season accolades Of this Cowboys team. It's once they get to the postseason, what noise can they make? Are they a true contender within the NFC? The last two and a half decades would tell you no, they're not. And you shouldn't lay down a wager on a plus 550 number, even if you think there's value for the Cowboys, because they have won just three playoff games in the last 25 years, a 3 in 16 postseason record in the last 25 seasons. So that's where Dallas stands. At this moment. Also, some conversation yesterday in Dallas with owner Jerry Jones going on the radio as he often does, and maybe some speculation about the Cowboys being interested in Odell Beckham Jr., who continues to recover from his ACL injury that he suffered in the Super Bowl a season ago. Just something to keep in mind if they're looking for reinforcements for the second half. So that's where things stand for the Dallas Cowboys. When you look at the Green Bay Packers, is there any hope left? for Aaron Rodgers and company this year. They are three games below 500. They are three and six. They are four and a half games behind the Minnesota Vikings as of right now in the win-loss column in the NFC North, a division Green Bay has dominated for most of Rodgers' career. They have won it three straight seasons, eight of the last 11 years. Minnesota's a minus 2,200 favorite to win that division. So is there hope for Green Bay to be a postseason team? The odds would say, Not so much at this moment, entering week number 10 to get into the playoffs, a plus 470 number heavily favored to miss the postseason at minus 600 right now for the Green Bay Packers. As we get ready to welcome on our guy, JR Joe Roderi, here live on a Wednesday on the morning after in just a couple of moments, and we'll get his thoughts on the Green Bay Packers. Is there any shot for Green Bay to get into the postseason? Joraneri, welcome to the show. That is the opening question to you here on this Wednesday on TMA. Do you give Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers any possible chance of reaching the postseason this year?
2: Hold on, let me think. Uh, No, absolutely not, Ben Stevens. Are you kidding me? Listen, I've already lost enough money on the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers this year. But now... I. I mean, they're heading to Dallas, and we're supposed to anticipate that because they're home, somehow Lambeau Field makes up for the lack of any sort of uh, offense whatsoever. You scored what? How many points? Nine points against the Detroit Lions, a team you have dominated? I don't see it getting any better, and I think the tougher defenses that they play for the rest of the way are going to make life miserable for Aaron Rodgers. I got a question, Ben. How much longer— before Aaron Rodgers stubs a toe, pulls a finger, a hamstring, and goes, oh, hell no, like, I'm almost 40. Like, I ain't doing this for a team that can barely win six or seven games here, because that's what they are. They're barely a six or seven-win team right now.
1: And, Joe, do you remember the 2020 NFL Draft when, shockingly, Mm -hmm. in the first round, the Green Bay Packers and Brian Guttenkunst, their general manager there in Wisconsin, selected a quarterback out of Utah Mm -hmm. State. His name was Jordan Love. I'm just saying, maybe there is some speculation that if this season continues to be the dumpster fire that we have seen well into the second half, Jordan Love gets some run, and Aaron Rodgers hits up the producers over at ABC and sees if there's an opportunity to become that Jeopardy host moving forward in 2023. Let's continue to go around the NFC a little bit here, JR, and for the first time, maybe ever, I think, in munich germany an nfl football game on sunday the tampa bay buccaneers and the seattle seahawks the bucks entered this season jr as the favorites to win the nfc but one of the favorites right now or at least a team with much improved odds the seattle seahawks a six Mm -hmm. and three football team and this a short spread only two and a half points in favor of tampa bay joe this game being in munich being played Mm -hmm. in germany does the change of scenery change your approach to this matchup at all
2: no it it doesn't and uh listen I, I think we can all agree that maybe just maybe Ben the Seahawks are playing a little bit above their head right and maybe just maybe we can also say the Tampa Bay Bucks are underperforming now in years past Ben when when you have two teams meeting here in week 10 like that at some point those things start to turn around and maybe just maybe that you know 45 second drive to win it at home against the Rams was exactly the kind of catalyst that Tom Brady Mm -hmm. and this Tampa Bay team needs in order to get it rolling they have a bye coming up uh, after this Germany game but I'm telling you Ben at some point Seattle's gonna Come regress back to the middle, and Tampa is going to regress closer to the middle, and maybe, just maybe, this is the weekend that it happens.
1: We see that path remaining for the Buccaneers because they are now tied for the top spot in the NFC South with how bad that division is, still heavily favored to be the divisional champ. The Seahawks are in first place in the NFC West, yet not favored to win that division. So a slight distinction there from their price in the NFC West to their make playoff odds at minus 250. Mm. It's time to reset here as we get ready for the second half of the NFL season. How have the Super Bowl odds changed? And how do Joe and Ari and myself view what is happening at the top in the national football? We break it down next.
0: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: San Francisco 49ers. So as you look at this board right now, JR, where do you think the distinction is? Where would your tiers be, per se, of how you look at the Super Bowl 57 odds?
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, it's still the Bills, and just break it down by AFC, NFC, right? So the Bills and Chiefs, according to the current odds, are the two odds-on favorites. They were the odds-on favorites prior to week one, Ben. It was going to be Bills and Chiefs, right? So it was one or the other, which is why you make those future bets uh, early and then give yourself a hedging opportunity uh, later on in the season. NFC, this is more interesting to me with a five to one Eagle squad. And then the next closest are the 49ers at 12 to 1, which is very, very interesting because the Niners, when healthy, are going to be an absolute force in that division. Again, I am on record then saying Seattle is going to regress back to the middle. It's a fantastic year. Great job, Pete Carroll. But the reality is that's too much talent on the 49ers to ignore, both on the defense and offensively. And you're going to tell me at 12-1, to I can put it in my back pocket? And do I think the 49ers are going to be there in the end? Damn right, I think the 49ers are going to be there in the end. So having an opportunity to hedge that at 12-1, to not a bad way to go either here, Ben.
1: I jumped in on that San Francisco price to win the NFC title just a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago, ahead of the matchup before the bye for the Niners against the Rams when San Francisco looked really good, and that newly acquired Christian McCaffrey piece (laughs) threw for a touchdown, ran for a touchdown, and caught a touchdown as well. That number became a lot shorter following the win against their divisional foe in Los Angeles. Joe, we showed you that board right there, Tier 1, Tier Mm -hmm. 2. I put that in to our rundown for our production staff yesterday because as I look at it I still think you have to give the nod to the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs as that tier above and maybe yep. even more so the Chiefs from this perspective as opposed to Buffalo now Buffalo is the most talented team an absolute wagon all of that yes but in terms of actual playoff wins not nearly hmm. the same resume as that of the Kansas City Chiefs and that's the yeah. same reason I have Philly Despite being unbeaten and deserving of where they are right now as the favorites in the NFC in tier number two slightly because we haven't seen Jalen Hurts in the postseason much. We haven't seen Nick Sirianni in the playoffs much just one wild card game last year and they got blown out by Tampa Bay and I have San Francisco up there as well Joe that's where I think the value is because yes Jimmy Garoppolo has his shortcomings. But there is so much Mm -hmm. talent around him. And even as we have seen in two of the last three years with a little bit less talent, although still very good, the Niners have played in the NFC Championship game in two of the last three years and three years ago into that Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. So I think you have to give Kyle Shanahan and the Niners a little bit of that benefit of the doubt. I'm glad you bring up the NFC though, because... As it stands right now, very up in the air. And there are some teams, Joe Ranieri, that I think we have some question marks about. The Minnesota Vikings are a Mm -hmm. 7-1 football team. They have that second-best record in the NFC, only behind the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles. And the Vikings' only loss is to Philly. Then you have the Dallas Cowboys, trending in a positive direction. But their postseason shortcomings have largely been stated over the last two and a half decades. The Bucks mm-hmm. can they figure it out? Is there value with Tom Brady once they get to that postseason, if they are able to do so? And then the Seahawks, the first-place team in the NFC West. But how credible do we think Seattle is as a true postseason contender? So, Joe, out of those four teams, who would you have the most confidence level in for this postseason number? Of course, making a run to Super Bowl 57.
2: So it, it's interesting. I think um, Dallas, is it can't be ignored, uh, especially because they have the opportunity to go through Philadelphia uh, another round. So they have the opportunity, the team leading it all in the NFC, the, the odds-on favorite we all like. Uh, the Eagles are built for the playoffs. They're built to make a run here. But Dallas, it's that defense and the way they can run the ball – you and I both now, Ben, come uh, this month, next month uh, into the playoffs, being able to run the ball and being able to play some defense there is uh, two things that you have to look at when looking at these future odds. They do it. They do both of those things really well. Too inconsistent for the Bucs. The Seahawks, again, at some point, I think that defense, although playing better, I think there's limitations. And uh, the Vikings, I, I just give I If... Kirk Cousins plays at home, and none of the games are in prime time. Uh, I think we're good to go. Other than that, I think the Vikings' defense is what ultimately is going to do the man in the end.
1: I would agree. I am skeptical of Minnesota. Minnesota is 7-1. and one. The Vikings have won six straight football games, all by single yep. digits, and they are 3-4-1 and one against the spread this year. I'm not so sure the Vikings, who might have this success in the regular season and win the division in the NFC North, will be able to replicate that come the postseason. Because last time I checked, now in Daylight Savings, the sun goes down earlier, and a lot of those Mm -hmm. postseason games will be under the lights in primetime. A big one for Minnesota, Joe, this upcoming Sunday in Western Mm -hmm. New York against the Buffalo Bills. A heavyweight showdown, we believe, But the line is starting to work in Minnesota's favor. It's only four and a half now in favor of the Bills. It was six and a half earlier this week. That's all the uncertainty around Josh Allen, the UCL injury in his right throwing elbow, and what his status looks like for Sunday. This line will move more if he is ruled out, and it will certainly work back probably closer to a touchdown if he is ruled in. Joe, when do you jump in to this number? Is it still too early as we await the status of Josh Allen?
2: Well, listen, I think the Josh Allen injury, I, I think it's been there, Ben. I think it's been there the entire time, and I think that they have been managing it, and I think that it it came to light against the Jets a little bit here, which is why now everyone is, is talking about it. But th- this has been going on with him for a while, and it's not something that's gonna go away apparently, but they would have, if they didn't know this, uh, Ben, and all of a sudden this came out of nowhere, that i mean you got to be kidding me like he's had this issue before with the arm we we've seen it they know he has it so they're doing the best to manage it which is all you can do i find it fascinating that you've got a what uh, a one loss team this game opened up at seven and a half ben so yeah. you mean to tell me a team with one loss here is going on the road and all of a sudden is more than a touchdown dog and then the josh allen news comes in And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. now we're where we are four and a half, five. But it doesn't escape the fact that the market said, yeah, seven and one is is nice, but you're still a touchdown worse than the Buffalo Bills in Orchard Park. That tells me all you need to know. I hope he doesn't start. And I hope Case Keenum goes in there. We'll get the Bills an even better number in a bounce back situation and expose Kirk Cousins in Minnesota for the frauds they are.
1: It's a really good point. That should say all you need to know in the market about mm-hmm. how it views Minnesota. How do we view these yep. two teams in the AFC Joe and journey because we showed you Buffalo and Kansas City of course the mm-hmm. odds on favorites to win their respective divisions in the East and West. We also have heavily favored team in the AFC North in the Baltimore Ravens a minus 390 price to win the division yep. and the Tennessee Titans in the AFC South minus 290 to win that division at this moment. You can see the considerable drop-off in numbers from Tennessee to win the division, a regular season number, to Tennessee to truly contend for an AFC title, a postseason number. But, Joe, how do you evaluate the Ravens and the Titans at this point entering the second half?
2: Boy, Roquan Smith makes that defense that much better, doesn't he? Uh, It's going to and there. That's the kind of they're going for, right? They're going for got to be able to play defense in January, December and January. The schedule lines up for the Ravens they don't play a winning team a team with a winning record for the next month here Ben they're gonna have 10 11 wins before we know it that defense is no joke Mark Andrews will get healthier maybe they can get a little help uh, on the wide receiver spot they're a they're a legit contender and Tennessee might be one of the best coach teams with the less talent that I've seen in a very very long time what they did in KC can't be ignored They'll be able to do that to somebody in January too if you let them. So can't sleep on them as long as Tannehill is healthy.
1: Tennessee again a favorite to win the AFC South, but longer odds than these three AFC up and comers. Maybe Miami yep. looks really good with Tua Tungabailoa a perfect six and zero when he starts. They are twenty three to one. Of course, the Bengals were there last year, so maybe not an up and comer at twenty eight to one. The Chargers keep having a decently short price, I guess, at 30 to 1, but I wouldn't pay that with Joe Ranieri's money. Joe Ranieri, nope. please stay safe with all the weather there in Florida. We appreciate your time, as always. More the morning after up next
0: SportsGrid.com, betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering, real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Just
1: three regular season weekends left in the world of college football here for the twenty. 20- 22 season week 11 is on the horizon now in that final month of the regular season each and every game becomes that much more meaningful and the pressure ramps up thank you for joining us here on this Wednesday live on the morning after on sports grid I am Ben Stevens we welcome Mark Zinno onto the show as well you can catch Zino all across the grid all weekend long on in game live giving you those live perspectives that you need across the board and we appreciate Zeno also known as the mouth in the south for joining us here on the morning after so Zeno three more regular season weekends left in college football and last night the second college football playoff rankings reveal of this season we look at it all live right here on this Wednesday on the morning after thank you for joining us
3: Great to be with you, as always, Been uh, A little tear in my eye realizing that we only got three weeks left of this before uh, we start the merry bowl season. But what a time to be alive with the college football playoff rankings.
1: Of course, that is always the case, each and every Tuesday. And, you know, as we built up the hype for last night's rankings reveal, I said I was going to be very mad if the committee did not have this exact top four in order, one Georgia, two Ohio State, three Michigan, four TCU. that's exactly what the selection committee did last night so i'm really not mad maybe for the first time in my life at the college football playoff rankings i agree with pretty much everything here i think ucla was slightly shorted in this number as in comparison to usc with the trojans at eight and the bruins at 12 but they play each other next saturday so we'll work that out alabama and clemson remain in the top 10 but again you looking up and down this board right here i think liberty should probably be ranked but Nothing I'm overly upset about for the College Football Playoff Selection Committee's rankings here for the second time this year, now into the second week in November. What was your takeaway from last night's rankings reveal?
3: Well, we're still enamored with the zero in the L column. Uh, And when we talk about college football playoff expansion, by the way, just as a side note, you know, uh, when you go to eight teams or 12 teams, I would never schedule a tough non-conference schedule because the committee has told us over and over again they're enamored with the zero in the L column and getting through 12 games with a zero will automatically put you in in an expanded playoff. That aside, I still think the committee is undervaluing Oregon and what they do with them continues to sort of make me wonder really what is important to them. Look, you could argue that Oregon and Tennessee are very, very similar teams, except Oregon has a better defense overall. Mm. Now, Oregon doesn't have a win on their schedule like Tennessee does against Alabama, but still what we've seen from Oregon since week one is nothing short of the most impressive run in the country. They scored 40 points in every single game. They've never really been challenged. They've had one one score game and that really shouldn't have been a one score game. It was a late garbage touchdown. They gave up to Washington state to make it a three point game instead of a 10 point game. They've been blowing everybody out and yet nobody wants to really take notice or give them credit. I would argue that Oregon has put together a better resume at this point other than the one loss that they have to Georgia than Ohio State and Michigan, at least from a resume standpoint. I'm not saying they're a better team. I'm saying the way they defeated all their opponents and who they've played, they may have an argument to have a better resume at this point than both of those teams. And yet they still can't crack the top four. I think they should be ahead of Tennessee. I think there's an argument for them to be ahead of, of, of TCU as well. Uh, although TCU went through a heck of a gauntlet playing four top 20 teams consecutively all in a row and winning them all. But uh, what, the or- what the committee is doing with Oregon to me is very, very perplexing. And I am staking what little reputation I have. And trust me, that reputation isn't really clouded in goodness. I'm staking my reputation on Oregon here uh, to run the table and get to the, to the college football playoff. You know, everybody
1: says each and every week, oh, don't worry about this new rankings on a Tuesday night. They don't mean anything. The only one that matters is the final one that first Sunday in December when everything plays out following the conference championships, yada, yada, yada. But if we get to that point, and there's really only four, five, or six teams truly eligible for the college football playoff, I think the biggest argument, if the season plays out as we might anticipate right now, is going to be the one-loss teams in tennessee in oregon because the ducks are favored to win the pac-12 championship right now and if oregon does that and they're a one loss power five conference champion versus tennessee who is a one loss non-conference champion probably not playing in the sec title game after losing to georgia this past saturday in athens Wouldn't Oregon have the advantage? The one loss is to the same team, both physically dominated by that Georgia defense and really not able to muster up much of an offensive attack, but you would have the conference championship for Oregon and nothing for Tennessee. Yes, good wins over Alabama and LSU, but Oregon plays Utah next Saturday as well. All of that will be a part of the conversation. You know, the top four from the odds perspective, by the way, Georgia heavily favored to get into the college football playoff. Minus 4,000. That's pretty much a lock at this point. Ohio State had their odds improved following the rankings reveal last night. Minus 650 is now minus 700. Tennessee is still heavily favored to get into the CFP at minus 250, which I find very interesting. In Michigan, the fourth best price at this moment, plus 135. You brought up the point about the Buckeyes and the Wolverines. I'll just add this. Both of their best wins... Coming against the same team in Penn State that remains a top 15 team in the eyes of the college football playoff selection committee. Of course, we are on a collision course that final Saturday. The game between Ohio State and Michigan in Columbus at the shoe. Right now, the Bucs an early look ahead favorite of eight and a half points. So Zeno, that's how the odds see the college football playoff top four at the moment as well.
3: Well, I'll say this Tennessee this week is an Alabama fan. And conversely, LSU is a is 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 a Alabama. I'm sorry, Alabama fan as well. But there are other teams that are going to be Arkansas fans this week, hoping Mm. that that you know that Alabama win doesn't look as good for Tennessee and LSU, right? So if that's the case, you know, Ole Miss. um, You, I'm sorry, Ole Miss is playing Alabama. I get it all mixed up here, Ben. We got so much going on. Let's try this again. We'll get very simple. Tennessee and LSU are, are are Alabama fans this week and hope that Alabama continues to win, so that win over that team looks impressive. Everybody else is going to be rooting for Ole Miss because Ole Miss knocking Alabama down another perch and winning that game will absolutely hurt Tennessee and hurt LSU as far as getting in to the college football playoff in any size, way, shape, or form. So the teams out there, the TCUs, the Oregons, the USCs, these one-loss teams that are out there are going Okay, well, if Alabama loses again and takes a third loss, there's some shine that comes off that victory for Tennessee and LSU and may open the door for somebody else.
1: And you see the change right there in the conference championship odds in the SEC following this past Saturday, a significant Saturday, that first Saturday in November in the Southeastern Conference. Georgia heavily favored now to win the conference title. They control their path through the East Division. LSU sits on top of the West Division after wins over Ole Miss and, of course, against Alabama last Saturday night in Baton Rouge. So that's where things stand right now. I think Zeno Tennessee is just rooting for anybody in the SEC East. I actually think Tennessee is a huge fan of Georgia at the moment because Georgia needs to win that conference championship game to keep Tennessee's hopes alive, in my opinion, of making the college football playoff. And at least from the odds perspective, you can see that's where the market is trending as well. So let's break down everything we have moving forward this weekend. the sec because the sec west will certainly be front and center he's not just mark zinno he's the mouth in the south and these are his sec picks so how will lsu keep the train rolling it doesn't get much easier for the bayou Bengals, at least according to the odds a trip to Fayetteville to take on the Hogs this Saturday. Zino. LSU only a three-point favorite for this matchup against Arkansas, who earlier this year was a top-10 team in the AP poll, but has certainly faded, and they got bum-rushed by Liberty last Saturday as a two-touchdown favorite. So, Zino, how does LSU keep this momentum high? What would be a key to victory for Brian Kelly and company?
3: a classic situational letdown spot for LSU coming off the win. And it couldn't come against a worse opponent than somebody who just got beat by Liberty for crying out loud. Uh, so Sam Pittman should have his troops refocused for a very big game. You get the sleepy 12 o'clock start. Ben, I'm really hoping this gets a three and a half, and if it does, I'm absolutely going to hammer Arkansas. I think this is a game that Arkansas actually can win outright. Look, their advantage is on the ground with Raheem Sanders, who leads the SEC in rushing. And if they can run him and be successful in that game, And I think they can control the flow of the game. I think both these quarterbacks cancel each other out, to be honest with you. Both Jaden Daniels of LSU and K.J. Jefferson of Arkansas, very similar in the way they make plays with their arm and their legs. But I feel like this is a a huge letdown spot for LSU after the big win over Alabama. Arkansas still wants something to prove. They've got three losses in their schedule, still fighting for some, I guess, bowl recognition, if you will, after some disappointment and coming back from the Liberty loss here, here. Give me the Razorbacks here, especially if this thing gets a three and a half.
1: So, LSU is a two loss team, as is Alabama at this moment. The running revs of Ole Miss, though, only one loss. With a victory over Alabama and an LSU loss, it could be Ole Miss in the SEC title game, potentially. But the odds, eh, not looking great for the revs this weekend. 11 and a half point home underdogs in the Grove, hosting the Crimson Tide. The second loss of this year, Zeno, for Alabama after their first loss on Rocky Top against Tennessee. The next week, they played Mississippi State as a three-touchdown favorite. They covered and dominated that football game. What bounce back do you expect for Alabama this week on the road against Ole Miss?
3: Well, how about Alabama just stop committing a ton of penalties, making a ton of mistakes, and playing sloppy football in general? Like, if they could do that, they probably wouldn't have any losses on their schedule, I'll be perfectly honest with you. That said, Nick Saban has only lost twice to the Rebels while coaching in Tuscaloosa, Tuscaloosa. And Lane Kiffin is yet to beat his former boss. Rebels obviously have the SEC's best rushing attack, uh, but they're going to face a Crimson Tide defense that's third best in rush defense in the SEC. But Alabama struggle with mobile quarterbacks typically, as is Nick Saban has throughout his entire career. We saw what Jaden Daniels did last week. Jackson Dart of Ole Miss, of that same ilk. Now, Nick Saban hasn't lost back-to-back regular season games since his first year at Alabama. Now, even if that doesn't happen and the Tide win the game, I would be shocked to see that Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss, especially coming off a bye, lay a dud in this game with all that they have on the line and a chance to qu- to clinch an SEC West, uh, an SEC title game berth Here, I'll back uh, Ole Miss here with the points.
1: Of course, this was the game last year that Lane Kiffin told all of college football across the nation, get your popcorn ready, and they laid a dud against Alabama, but that was on the road in Brian Denny in Tuscaloosa. So we think there might be a couple of trap spots out there in the SEC. LSU riding high after the upset at home against Alabama. Georgia, of course, riding high after the domination of Tennessee between the hedges this past Saturday. UGA on the road against Mississippi State heavily favored as well. Zeno, is this a trap game for Kirby Smart and the dogs?
3: No, because Kirby won't let it be. Uh, And Mississippi State last week, who was my best bet of the week, jumped out to a 24-6 to lead at halftime and then forgot that they had to play another 30 minutes of football and ultimately end up prevailing in overtime against a bad Auburn team. Now, Mississippi State has scored 39 points a game at home this year, but they haven't played exactly a defense like Georgia. The two defenses that they played, Alabama and Kentucky, they were held to a, a total of 23 points in those two games. Georgia will dominate here defensively they'll be held to under 20 points mississippi state well georgia should roll and cover in this one easily
1: we showed you georgia a minus minus four thousand favorite to make the college football playoff also in minus money as the odds-on favorite to win the national championship at minus 120 what a great conversation today marks you know the college football playoff new rankings and everything in the sec we thank you for your time more tma updates hey Conversation rolls on as we round out this opening hour of the morning after live right here on this Wednesday, all across the Spears Network. That's SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens. Even in the commercial break right there, Mark Zeno and I were discussing how the college football playoff is going to play out over the final three weeks of this college football regular season. All of the possibilities, all of the scenarios, the what if conversations. And we showed you those national championship odds just a few moments ago from the four teams that have the shortest numbers at the moment. At this point, entering week number 11, who is your pick to be the national champion in college football this season? That's what we asked you in Fade the Public. So those four betting favorites at the moment, in order, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, in tennessee and the public unsurprisingly for their pick right now to win that natty is going with the reigning national champs the top dogs kirby smarts georgia bulldogs 64 percent of this poll at sportsgrid tv on twitter backing georgia at the moment ohio state the second most selected option everything here follows the exact path of the odds including georgia being the runaway favorite in this Sports Grid tv poll because Georgia is in minus money currently. The first time we have seen a team as an odds-on favorite to win the national championship this year at minus 120. That happened this past week. But Ohio State is right there. Michigan right there as well. And Tennessee, that fourth best price. How will the Vols bounce back after the loss to Georgia? Because Tennessee has zero room for error. And they will host Missouri back on Rocky Top This Saturday, you can see, very heavily favored to win that football game and get back into the win column. What is interesting, however, although it is different in the national championship odds, the Vols, a minus 250 price, better odds to reach the college football playoff than that of Michigan at plus 135. Hour number two, the morning after, is up next following a Sports Grid news update from Alex DeSantis.